Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing? So it's good to see y'all. Um, this uh, Memorial Weekend passes open. Um, things are, you just feel it, right? It's amazing. The things just start to kind of build steam into July, right? Out of off season here. And um, I think the, the quiet days are, uh, are ending here. The buzz is, is returning to, uh, to town. So uh, that's a good thing. For some of us, we like that off season though too, but right? Hope y'all are well. Um, if you've been with us or tuning in throughout the year, we have been in the book of Revelation wrestling with this huge question, are we ready? And... Um, we finish up Revelation. We're in chapter 22 um, this morning. And so, uh, yeah, we bring it to a close. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and find your way to Revelation 22. Um, we'll dive in here in just a moment. Um, folks, we're going to look at this big question this morning as we wrap this whole thing up in Revelation of how do we know we know God? Um, and I think uh, of all the conversations I'm having with everything going on, especially in our nation and with the church and with Christians' reaction to everything going on and, and just kind of all the, uh, you know, we don't have to talk about everything that's going on, um, is that this question is rising to the top as the core issue that God, I think, is revealing, is bringing to the forefront among God's people, especially in America and the church today. It's a question, do we really know him? And how do we know we really know him? Um, and for those watching who are, are, are skeptics or who are you know, just seeking or who've maybe just had it with the church and have bailed out, they're looking for the real thing. They're looking for the truth. They're looking for Jesus. And um, I think God is, is doing something among his people, right? Um, in many ways at the heart level. And so I want to dive in on that um, this morning, so let me just pray for us, and we're gonna we're gonna go after it this morning. Trust the Lord, Father. We come to you in the name of Jesus, um, Lord. You promised Jesus that where we're gathered, where your people are gathered, your church body, your family, Lord, is gathered, that you are there in a manifest way. And Holy Spirit, we invite you in to just to move now. Let your, as we already have through worship, now through your Word, Lord, let your Spirit come. And bring your word alive in our lives. Father, come and do your work. Lord, we are submitted to you. And um, Jeremiah says your word is like a, it's like a hammer. It's like a fire. And Lord, I just pray that it comes forth that way in all of our hearts. Um, and uh, Lord, I, I love that line too. Just uh, release the lion, Lord. Release the lion. Let your word, Lord, go forth with a roar and a mighty powerful um, doing its work in our lives, Father. This is your word. We are people of your word, God. I pray you'll increase the hunger again among your people, Lord, for your word. Holy Spirit, come and do that. And uh, Lord, meet us in this place, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I had a chance this last weekend, or last weekend, I was out of town and... Um, Got together with some guys. We've been like 12 years. We, have, we used to get together once a year, and, and uh, we had kind of a little reunion. That was a wonderful time of just reflecting on the years and life. And now, as we all sit around, kind of empty nesting and, and thinking about the next season. And I just encourage you if, 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 to, to pray about having 
the, the, one of the things that should be developing in church is, is community and, and lifelong relationships and men and women you can do life with and journey with through the different seasons of life and get together and pray and, and encourage each other for, what, for that next season and really wrestling with questions like this and encouraging each other uh, to, just to know that when, whatever we're going through that we have arms holding us up, right, in prayer. Um, as we uh, journey um, through life. The second part of my weekend, or uh, last Sunday and Monday, I was um, on a prayer retreat. And this is something I've had on my list for a long time. Um, but it just revealed in my own life, it was what I'm going through, just uh, uh, busyness. And uh, for me, uh, prayer, what was so revealed in these two days, it's a, it's, a, it's a couple who have a prayer house and a prayer ministry. And um, uh, they know how to pray. That's their gift. And it was just a gift to be with them, pray extended periods of time and, and just to be in the presence of God. And it was, a, it, to be honest, it was a, it was a challenge for me. Um, it really revealed my restlessness in the, in the place of God and in my prayer life being more about the to-do list or God do this, or you need to do that God or whatever it is, right? Rather than just, um, resting, right? Listening. Letting, letting the Spirit of God move and respond and listen to what He has to stay. We're, we're just not a people like that. And, I, and it revealed that I wasn't. And um, the other thing, it went a little deeper in, the, in our time um, together. I think w- what just struck me was um, my friend who, who is, has this gift of prayer was that he let out his, I mean, I'm going to do the best I can to describe this, but his countenance in prayer, he leads out with um, the love of God. He leads out his time of prayer with how much God loves us, loves him. And it really, it, it was normal for him, but it, it, it really convicted me about, I just jump in, God, we need God, we need, you know. And um, how much do, do I just rest in his love, radical love for us? And folks, we know that one of the big problems, right, going on today, it, it, you know, is not only how do I know I know God, but at the core of that is, do I really, have I met him? Do I know he really radically loves me and that I know him and I'm secure in him? Do we really know? And then how do I really know? Um, and it's not, it's just an intellectual approach. I've gone to church. I, I know the right stuff. Going through the motions, that's not going to do it. And I think that's what is going on here today. And for me, it was a real wake-up call in the sense of, Lord, uh, how much do I just rest in your love? And I ask you this morning, do you know him? And all those online this morning, do you know him? Have you met him? And then how do you know you know God? How do you know that you're a follower of Jesus? How do you know that he has truly saved you? And that you are his child, right? How do you know? The assurance of faith is, uh, I just want to blow this out of the water. There's so much talk, even in the church today, about doubt. Oh, embrace doubt. Doubt's good. Let me tell you right now, it's not. Doubt is the enemy of faith. I'm going to say it again. Doubt is the enemy of faith. That's going to be contrary to a lot of what is being told out there. Doubt is only good if it leads to Jesus. If it lingers and it keeps coming back, it is a killer of faith. All through the scripture, you're never going to see doubt embraced. What you're going to see embraced is this idea of more and more, I have the assurance of my God's love for me. That he has saved me. He's radically moved in my life. So um, we come to the end of Revelation. And uh, 
chapter 22. Wow, there's so much here. Um, There's a couple things. I have this. I, I hope you'll just take this. Think about this. This has just really overwhelmed me going through this book again. Is it's the only book, right? It's the last book at all. The whole Bible comes together here, right? It's the only book that we have the presentation of Jesus in all of his glory at the right hand of God, who he truly is, with the final picture of what is, is going to happen. Um, and what this book is doing, remember John is writing this from Patmos to his beloved children, all of the churches that he pastorally oversaw in, uh, in Asia Minor. And if you go back to the first three books of Revelation, it's a very personal letter to these churches, which is also to all of the church, us is to heed. And the problem was that the church ultimately was, was falling back. It was getting spiritually lethargic, right? And, and just like Israel did in the Old Testament. And so what happened in the Old Testament was happening to the church. And John was, was, was just um, alive and, and, and concerned deeply about the, the church and letting the world into the church and letting the, the, the impact of Babylon and Rome and all the idolatry creep into the church. And so this, this book was a revelation from God, from Jesus, through his angel to John on the island of Patmos to give to the church as a wake-up call. With the ultimate thing of where it's going. And ultimately what I want to say is that all of Revelation is a revealing of the heart and affection we have for God and his kingdom. Or for the world and its kingdom. And the ultimate outcome of who knows God and who doesn't. Man, we need to linger on that. It, it is a discipleship book. It is a, a at the core relational love story a letter to the church to, remember, uh, Revelation 3.20 says Jesus is at the door of the church, of his family, knocking. Hey, who's going to let me in? And I don't think there could be anything more applicable for where we're at as a people, as a culture today, as a church here in Crossroads. Man, have we, are we embracing him to come in? Do we know him? Are we consumed by his presence, his love, the gospel itself? Are we assured of the gospel, Right? Um, and then it leads to this, we come to the last chapter here. And I just throw this big question out is, um, boy, do we want God? Do we really want him or do we just want heaven? Do we want heaven without God? And folks, I I think so much of, of what we wrestle with is, you know, I want heaven. I want good stuff. I want utopia. That's why we, uh, you know, Aspen is on the map because it's the utopia of the world. We want heaven. We want all the blessings of life and, and that God has for us. But the question is, do we want him? Do I want God? Do I want to know him? Do I want to be with him? And folks, at the core of, of the purpose behind all creation and all the universe is, is a God whose heart desires you. He desires more than anything. All of this was to be shared so he could have a real relationship with us. The question is, back to us, do we want him? Will we receive that relationship? Ultimately, do we want him? Um, so, 
with that said, let me um, dive in here. And I, I do, I do want to just speak to the, the person that's maybe the skeptic, maybe is the person who's in this day and age is angry at the church, criticizing the church, criticizing God's people, because Lord knows there's plenty of junk out there happening to give the church a bad name and to put a blot on the glory of Jesus in our culture. And we need to be repentant for that and, uh, and be a people who step into truly being people of the word and, and of Jesus. And the only way we can do that is if we know him and if we're known by others that we know him. And, um, and folks, the glory of the gospel, Christianity, folks, it's not a religion. It's not, a, it's not being a part of denomination, especially not being a part of a political party. Listen closely. Christianity ultimately is knowing God. It's the most glorious, powerful news in all the world. It's not a philosophy. It's not just a spiritual path. One way among many. It is the way. It is the only way. It's the answer for everything. It is the only way that Jesus, the Father, has sent His Son, right, to pave a way that we might know God. Walk with Him for all eternity. And so it comes back on us, this big question, how do we know? And I'm specifically asking this question to myself and all of us who've walked with God for years, who've been in church for years. Because I think this is what God, what the Spirit of God is wanting to do for us as a church is to wake us up in this time to recalibrate our heart, to recalibrate how are we really doing. So with that said, let me read the word. And I'm going to just, as I've done in this series, there's so much here. Um, and again, boy, we want to engage. If you've got questions about the text, we're going to read through. I'm not going to have time to deal with uh, all the details here. We'd love to engage on that. Please don't let the conversation end here. Let's keep it going, right? Here we go, come to the end of the last words of God's revelation, his written word to us. So take heed. Then the angel showed me, John, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, with his tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Uh, there's just so much here, folks. Uh, this is where you have to understand the first book of the Bible. Here's where you have to understand the Garden of Eden. By the way, in July, we're going to start a new uh, series on foundations. We're going to go back and look at the first three chapters of Genesis uh, as foundational stuff. If you get, we get that wrong, we get the rest of the Bible wrong. Because it all fits together wonderfully. And this is the renewed Eden. This is the renewed temple of God. Um, where his creation can enjoy his presence and be with him in fullness. Um, the healing of the nations. We talked a lot about the nations throughout the entire Bible here. Love to go back and listen to some of the previous um, passages on that. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. If I don't get excited, about worshiping God now. What makes me think that I will worship Him greatly in eternity? Right? We'll come back to that. Listen to verse 4. They will see, we will see His face and His name will be on 
our foreheads. We'll see his face. This idea of the name, we've talked a lot about the identity, the mark of the beast as well as the name. This is, this is him marking you as his child. This is fundamental of the father's identity. He knows you as his child. You've been marked with a special name. You're a child of God. Night will be no more. There will be no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. We'll have a purpose, pure purpose again with God in this renewed creation. We've talked about some of those details. And he said to me, these, are the, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And this, it wasn't just John, right? There's a group of, of prophets who operate heavily like John in the gift of prophecy. But if we've seen in this book, right, part of our inheritance from Pentecost on is that we all are to prophesy, meaning to hear from God and bring the truth of God and the insight revelation of God to our world around us. Um, and so, there were, you know, he, he talks about this, the family of prophets. I, John, am the one, oh, excuse me, verse 7, and behold, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. He go back and restates what he did in chapter 1. There's a unique blessing to those who keep, who obey, who listen, who study, who read, who wait, who get excited, who press in prophetically as God's people. Lord, what are you saying? What is happening in the world? What are you doing? Right? This is to be right, the whole atmosphere of the church. A listening to God. Lord, what do you have to say right, for us in this time? An embracing of this book but sadly we could say the general attitude in america today is a shying away a a a removing from this book right which again god is moving among us i john am the one who heard and saw these things and when i heard and saw them i fell down to worship at his the feet of the angel who showed them to me but he said to me you must not do that i'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets And with those who keep the words of this book. So there the church is to be a people who have the spirit of God. Who listen to the spirit of God. Who prophetically live right out of revelation from God. And who what? Who keep the words of of his word. His revelation and worship God. And he said to me do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is near. Let the evil um, still do evil. Let the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. That's a tough line. Let me just quickly interpret what that's leading to. As, as time comes, as, as the time gets closer and closer to the end, as end times happens, what we will see is, is the line between those who know him and those who don't becomes much clearer. The gray disappears. And those, what we see through the book of Revelation is those who are more committed to the kingdom of the world, the things of the world, they move more in line with the things of the world. Those who truly know God, they move more in line with the things of God. We see a weeding out in the church, those who embrace him, his, the truth of his word, who the word of God guides them versus those who know they let the world guide what they're doing. Um, Daniel's also spoken of this same thing. Verse 12, Behold, I'm coming soon, Jesus says, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, for they 
may have the right to the tree of life. And they may enter into the city of the gates. Washing your robe. Folks, that is understanding the gospel. Understanding it is Jesus' robe of righteousness that's been put on you. As a free gift of God's grace for anyone who will reach out. And take that gospel. And take that glorious message. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. Right? The beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. So they may have the right to the tree of life. That they may enter the city gates of the new Jerusalem. Zion. Heaven on earth. Outside are the dogs. The sorcerers. The sexually immoral. The murderers. The idolaters. Everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words. Everybody. Right? Who embraces the things of the world, the morality of the world. This word dog, folks, it's used all through Scripture, old and new, as someone who is uh, in abomination, someone who, he, he, he uses it to describe back in um, chapter 21, actually, the cowardly and the faithless. Those who maybe have once believed, but they have been led astray, right, by the things of the world and set their heart on the world rather than Christ and His goodness. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about the things for the churches. I am the root, the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, the family of God, the church, say, come. Folks, there is no individual, me and Jesus, here. You'll find it nowhere in Scripture. It's the bride. It's the church. It's the family of God. It's not an individual person out there just lingering on their own. Um, these letters and everything... Um, is written to the body as it's gathered, encouraging, lifting up one another. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who's thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book, um, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, is the response of the church. Amen, Jesus. Thank you for your revelation. Come. Come quickly. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. The word of God. So... Man, um, what I want to do in this time is left is um, I want to, to, to give uh, out of this chapter as well as all of Revelation, um, I have 10 things that help, help us, I think, process. And how do I know him? I've had that discussion. I can't tell you with how many people. It came up in my prayer retreat um, it, I, on and on with people. Um, just like, wow, I, I don't know about you, but have you not wrestled with Lord, everything going on? Do I, what's going on, God? Where am I at with you? And maybe even things we're asking in our own life, like, Lord, what is going on? Um, and so I give you these 10 things. I hope we're just going to scratch the surface. I hope you'll take these. And um, I didn't put verses specifically connected. Each of these is tied to the book of Revelation. Each of these you can put a thousand verses from the, the scriptures onto. I give that to you to take these, test them, go to the word of God. And I just want to walk through them in answer of this question. How do we know if we know him? If we know him. And it begins with this one is do we have a healthy fear of God? Proverbs says that fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge. 
Folks, do you have a healthy fear of God? First John says that um, love casts out, perfect love casts out fear. But listen carefully to this. Perfect love casts out fear. It does not cast out the fear of God. It casts out the fear of punishment, is what John says, but not the fear of God. Over and over again, the exhortation is fear God. Have a reverence for God. A reverence for Him. He's holy. Right? There is to be a healthy fear of God. Over and over in the New Testament, Old Testament, it's repeated, right? To have a reverence right, for Him. Do you have that? It begins there. Second one is, do we relate to each person of the Trinity? Now, folks, this is so critical, and, uh, and it really exposes real quickly the, the deficit in our discipleship, right? The Great Commission was to go make disciples, right? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, immerse them in a relationship with each person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what it means to, is, are, are we related to each person of the Trinity? Do I know my God? My God is Father, He's Son, He's Holy Spirit, and do I know each of them uniquely as one whole God. And when, when uh, Paul exhorts the church, he says, uh, may, may the love of God, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours. And so I ask you this morning, this is a great question for all of us, is do you know the love of the Father? Do you know the love of the Father? Has someone led you into that? Has someone showed you that in Scripture? The grace of Jesus, do you know something of his unbelievable love and his grace, his forgiveness over your life, the free gift of salvation, this this radical thing called grace? Do you know that? Has someone led you into the gospel to understand truly what God has done? And finally, the third thing is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Do you know something of the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, right? The, The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Spirit is the one, folks, who actually is the one who brings alive the love of the Father, is the one who brings alive the gospel and the presence of Jesus among us. And so, folks, this is a huge question. Do we relate to each person in the Trinity? Now, let me drive this this point home. Um, Isn't it interesting that those three things, this is really important, are the primary things that we're missing as a nation today? fatherlessness it's behind because all of the issues every single person who's done the evil of a mass shooting folks bar none did not know their father was alienated from their father everybody in prison you can go down the list but is anybody talking about that the real solution, the real problem is fatherlessness. There's only one solution to that. You know that? It's the gospel. It's the introducing people to their heavenly father. No matter how your earthly father did, there's a heavenly father who will restore your identity as a person playing for your life. Now, the other problem is what about the grace of Jesus? Do we have a forgiveness problem today in our, in our culture? Right? And finally, fellowship. Uh, let me ask you, another question, a problem I have with people is people are struggling with finding community, finding friendship, finding a place to plug in healthy relationships, right? 
It, it is across the board. As people are, we're all moving about, shifting about as a people today. In Aspen, I don't know how many times I've heard in the last two years, man, you just can't find community in Aspen. It's a hard place for relationships in Aspen. Well, we speak against that. This is why we're here. There's only one solution to healthy community, and that is the gospel. That is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that God does, uniting people in a healthy, right community. Folks, there's the answer. It's built into the very nature of who God is. When a nation, when a church, when a community rejects the nature of God, guess what? You lose out on fathers and the family and children and identity, all those things. You lose out on the grace of God. And you end up blaming each other. You end up having mental illness, anxiety, vamp up. You miss out on community. You lose any aspect of unity and healthy community. We need God. We need a revival. We need a new great awakening. A restoration to what God has for us. Three, do we embrace grace and repent quickly when we sin? Do you know the gospel? Do I know the gospel? The quickest way for me to understand if I know the gospel and I'm living under it is, what do I do when I sin? What do I do when I mess up? Do I wallow in it? Do I beat myself up in it? Do I continue in it? What do I do? That is the number one way I know if I know what the gospel is. Is do I embrace the grace and forgiveness? First John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and wipe it away. But how many in the church today go quickly to the gospel? We got to go through a thousand steps, a thousand processes to get free. That means we don't understand the gospel. It's an immediate powerful thing I can take hold of in the midst of my sin. Lord, forgive me based on the blood of Jesus. I am cleansed at that moment and I walk under the grace. I understand grace. If I don't do that, guess what? I'm under the power of works. I'm under religion. If I think I need to go through five steps, this amount of of work over here, I don't understand the gospel. I don't know how any clearer I can say it. Does that make sense, gang? That's how I know if I know what the gospel is. That's how powerful, you mean to tell me, Steve, that, and Paul got this same thing. You need to tell me that, man, when I go out and I just blatantly screw up and sin and do something bad, that in that moment, if I have a heart of forgiveness and repentance and I come and I repent before Jesus, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to do that. I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do. Will you wash me and cleanse me? You mean to tell me at that moment I'm right with God, blameless before God? Yes. That's the gospel. And that is what people need to hear and live under today. But we've got such a therapeutic culture. We think they need to go through a thousand other things before being set free. That's, and that is doing not justice to the gospel, folks. That's what people need to be led into. The glory of the gospel. And folks, let me tell you, we won't run, we'll keep believing the lies in our life and the bondage of the lies put in our life until we have an encounter with Jesus. Until I have an encounter with Jesus. That's the good news, folks, right? All right. Four, do we quickly forgive and not hold grudges? Here we go. Do I know him? If I'm holding any grudge, if I am not quick to forgive someone, now this is going to get tough. You need to listen carefully to me. No matter how bad, no matter how abusive, no matter how horrific, That sin was to know God is to know his forgiveness of me and empowers me to forgive that person. That's tough stuff, isn't it? 
Grudges? What is Jesus? Jesus could have said it any louder. If you don't forgive, I will not forgive you before my Father. When he, His forgiveness over us, he, part of knowing Him means I walk in that forgiveness. I have a short account. Um, that's tough stuff. But that's how I know I know Him. When I can forgive. And folks, if there's one thing that binds up people, you see it. It destroys bitterness, unforgiveness. That will keep someone from God. It will destroy a person. Uh, scripture says it's like rots your bones. It brings physical manifestation even into your life. Oh, man, do we forgive? Do we desire, number five, to please God, not just appease God? Man, do I want to please Him? I mean, is that, is that more and more taking over in just everything in life? I just want, God, I want to please you. I want you to smile upon me. Not just appease you, not doing, are you doing something? Am I doing something just to, to, to like kind of get around corners and, oh, I know this will make God happy. Or do I just, no, I really, at my heart, I want to please you, God. That's someone who knows God. Six, do we counsel with God about everything? Whoa. Someone who knows God. They don't make any decision in life without counseling God. Now, folks, this, I, I, the Lord needs to wake us up. Because in the church today, this is not the first counsel of many people today. To know him means I go to him for everything. I don't make a decision, a financial decision, a decision to move, a decision to make a job, a decision to date somebody. I don't make any decision unless I go before him. Lord, what I do? Confirm this decision. That's how somebody knows God. Seven, do we experience the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit alive in our life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do I see those coming alive in my life? Those are a promise of those who are spirit-filled. The gifts of the spirit. Am I desiring to pursue them and operate in them? That's someone who knows God, right? Eight, do we enjoy extended time of personal and corporate worship? Man, this was very convicting for me on this prayer retreat too. Just the amount of time that we spent just worshiping God. I just, I, I just wanted to bounce out and do, do business. Do some, bounce out and talk about, right? Folks, if, if we don't, if we're not cultivating, if in my life I don't have a growing sense of desire when I'm alone with God just to praise Him, to thank Him, to worship Him, and that should directly be connected to, do I have a desire to gather the Bible and worship, the Bible says with the body of Christ to worship Him? To bring the Romans 12 a living sacrifice. To just exalt, rejoice in his glory. I might not know him. To know him means I worship him. Like we see in the book of Revelation. In his presence there is no other option. Except judged outside. Removed from God. Or you worship God. There's no other option. So if I'm not growing in my passion for the presence of God now. Why do I think I want it then? Do I know him? Um, number nine, do we love and support the body of Christ, his church? That should go without any explanation except with what we're seeing happening. 
somehow, somehow along the way, there's crept into the church in America is this idea that church is optional. That's nowhere in Scripture. Matter of fact, what we see, John, he even speaks about in First John, and he's the writer of this too, is that as the end comes, it says those will leave, those who are not of us that did not know him, right? There has to, cannot love Jesus and not love his body. Oh, oh look, there's no perfect church. Oh, there's, it's full of sinners. It's full of people messing up. But it's God's family. And we have to love and encourage each other to move away from that is to move towards the world. There is no other option right, for that. And number 10, folks, do we truly long for Jesus' return? How much do you think about, how much do you pray? Do I pray? This is a convicted, come Lord Jesus. Now, lately I've been praying that a lot more. But isn't that interesting? Isn't that kind of the point? Doesn't God allow his people to go through trials personally in our lives and as a nation, as a church, to wake us up? Lord, do we long for, is he our first love? Do I live with this, is my, is my consuming thing, Lord, I want to know you, I want to be with you. Uh, come, Lord Jesus, bring about everything, come. And uh, folks, we can just say across the board, right, at least in our culture, that has not been a heartbeat of the church. Right, we've been all about the good life, the American dream. Rather than, come, Lord Jesus, come. And, and, and folks, this is really important. That is not just come in the future, that prayer. It starts right here. And I just encourage all of us, when we gather as a church body, there should be this heartbeat among us. Come, Jesus, now. Now. Right now. Send your spirit into the hearts. Every person here. Now, manifest your power, your love. If somebody doesn't know your love, Father, bring it now. Come, Jesus, bring it now. Now. This isn't just about gathering, listening to a sermon and singing some songs. This is, this is about, Derek, y'all come on up. This is about engaging the presence of God. That's what church is. And the church can't be the church unless the whole body is involved. Come. We want to, we want to rejoice in you, Jesus. We want to see you do something among us that only you can do. Right? We're in partnership. We're in fellowship with you, God. So come, Lord Jesus. Right? So folks, I hope you'll, you'll take those and I hope that the, the discussion of Revelation doesn't end with this ending of this series, but that these 10 questions will incorporate them into your discipleship group. Incorporate these into your microchurches. Incorporate this into your family around the dinner table with your children, with friends, with coworkers in this time. Please wrestle these up. Let's, let's have some fellowship around and see God do something powerful, right? So, Father, we come to you. We thank you for your word. And, Lord, come. Renew us, Lord. You're waiting. You're knocking. You, you want to come in and have fellowship with us. What a mighty God. Oh. Mm. Yeah, come, Jesus. Send forth your spirit.
We need your church to respond now, Lord. The word's been spoken. We've worshipped, lifted up your name. Now come. Now come. Speak through your people now. Minister through your people now. Let needs be met. Let souls and lives be changed now. Oh, we love you, Father. We love you, Lord. Come, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.